There's no turning back if we do this. I've already made my decision. From Interval Presents, a new romantic thriller podcast starring Jason Derulo. There's something about you that I haven't been able to look away from. And Alexandra Ship. Nico, we don't even know each other. Listen to Underwater wherever you get your podcasts. Want more Cupid? Can't get enough of the mythology? We get it and we feel the same. So we went ahead and arranged for a special episode just for you from our partner, Liv Albert, the host of Let's Talk About Myths, Baby. We loved all of Liv's after show episodes where she took a deeper look at the jokes and mythology of each episode of Cupid. But we thought it would be great to connect Liv and the creator, writer, and director of the rom-com musical series, Katie Kavanaugh-Jupe. So sit back and enjoy the Cupid creator conversation right now as they discussed how Katie conceived of the show and her approach to a modern interpretation of ancient stories. Storytelling. But quick spoiler alert, Liv and Katie will be discussing story elements from the entire Cupid series. So if you haven't finished yet, we suggest you listen to all seven episodes first. Enjoy. Oh, hi, hello, and welcome. This is Let's Talk About Myths, baby. And as always, I am your host and obsessor of all things mythological, Liv. Today I'm here with a very special conversation episode. You all have seen and hopefully listened to the bonus episodes that have been in my feed these last six weeks. You know I teamed up with the podcast network Q Code to bring you the Cupid Podcast After Show. Bonus episodes that were dedicated to breaking down the myths and characters of this original fiction rom-com musical, Cupid. And so today, I spoke with the creator of Cupid and the woman who voices Demeter herself, Katie Kavanaugh-Jupe. Katie and I had such a fun time talking all things myth from the creation of the show Cupid and well beyond. We talked about our own, each of our own loves of Greek mythology, favorite characters, both mythological and in Q Codes Cupid, and the wonders of the Olympians. Again, the real ones, quote unquote real, and the ones of this show, Cupid. So if you're aching for more Cupid content, this episode is for you. And if you haven't listened to Cupid yet, which I mean, you should still, this episode is full of fun mythological talk regardless, just like all my conversations. So you're going to love it. And probably you're going to want to listen to Cupid afterwards. You can find Q Codes Cupid wherever you listen to this podcast and loads of bonus episodes in my feed where you can hear me tell you all about the myths, characters, jokes, single line mythological references that are found in that podcast. I had a lot of fun creating those bonus episodes. Huge thank you to Katie for speaking with me for today's episode and to Q Code for working with me on these episodes. It's been a blast. Conversations, Loving the God of Love, The Making of Q Codes Cupid with creator Katie Kavanaugh Jupe. Well, um, thank you so much for doing this. This is very exciting. Uh, I'm excited about Cupid and everyone to get to listen to it. Oh, me too. Thank you so much for for having me on. It's exciting. 
Oh, I'm very happy to. Um, anything for mythology, obviously. It's kind of uh, my entire <laughs> life. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, the, the I guess the the biggest place to start in this is why did you want to go with Greek mythology? What what drew you to it? Do you have like a background of longstanding love? What what is it? <laughs> I do. I I do have a long stunning love. I I would say that I definitely do. I've always loved myths. Um, I've always been drawn to them. I think they're really they're just really compelling and um, fascinating. And I think they take they take um you know they they take can can be told many times and then and they never get boring. And the different ages you are, you you connect with them in different ways. And you know, for me, when I was growing up. Um, they always they were always sort of they explained the darker aspects of things and the more troubling aspects of things and um I kind of loved that and um yeah so I was very much on board right from the beginning because it was Greek mythology it's a very very fun place to play it really is. I mean, I I have no complaints about like living my entire yeah. life within the realm of of Greek mythology. Do you are you interested in other mythologies, or is it pretty primarily Greek for you too? It certainly is for me. Um, no, I'll, I'll I'll take any. I'm yeah. interested in any and all. Yeah, yeah. I think, and they're all sort of um, interlinked as well. They're all like you know, if you look in at, at different ones, they seem to to have the same patterns sometimes and the same characters almost mm-hmm. um so yeah no I'm I'm up for anything yeah I think that is what that's so fascinating about you know world myth broadly is because they were all developed to kind of answer the same questions of basic humanity and the world around them that yeah they do end up having these all these different characters that seem so similar across world mythologies like no matter where people were in the world they came up with similar things just because of the yeah. questions that needed answering well, I feel like it's our unconscious, really, isn't it? It's all—it's the bit that we can't access mm-hmm. logically, and then that's completely collective. So it's sort of um, very universal, I think. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. When it comes to, I mean, Cupid generally, like, did you did you come up with the the whole broad idea? Like, did you want to focus on that god specifically, or was there something that? I suppose that is the question, but yeah, something that drew you to to that god. Um, no, I they I was approached with mm. with the the idea about Cupid. Um, uh, you know, something happening to Cupid, him getting his heart broken, or you know, um, some kind of rom com about Cupid. Um, and and that was my that was my starting point, which was quite quite funny. Cupid's quite interesting because he's because we've really kind of stolen him, us humans. We've really sort of humanized mm-hmm. the idea of Cupid, haven't we? And, and it's very commercial and it's very, you know, he's one of the more accessible gods, but probably not in the way that he is in mythology. Mm-hmm. You know, I kind of immediately started to imagine if he wasn't that nice and if he didn't believe in love and, you know, um, I did did look at the Cupid and Psyche myth, mm-hmm. which is a really fascinating myth, but but much more about Psyche, I think, than it is about Cupid. But he's certainly not very nice mm-hmm. in in that in that myth. Um, so yeah, I I um, I sort of took it I took it from there and ran with it. Really, initially, sort of imagining a journey for him where he where he didn't believe in love and then. 
and then did for whatever reason. I mean, I feel he feels like the right god to sort of start out jaded in a way because he's seen it all. So yeah, I, I think yeah. he's kind of he's well fitting for that. I find Cupid so fascinating as a character, um, just because like I mean, Cupid and Psyche is is sort of our only major story about him that like features him as any kind of real character. Uh, and it's yeah. technically from Roman mythology. And of course, like his name, the name Cupid that everyone knows as Cupid, like is technically Roman, obviously. My my listeners. I did very... I did point that out right at the beginning. Yeah. I was like, I'm glad you know. And I was like, shall I call all the other gods the Roman names? Or should we, you know what I mean? And we were like, oh, it's fine. It'll yeah. it'll be fine. Because because Eros isn't isn't um as well known. But that's why I called Rose Rose. So I, I stuck Eros in there somewhere. I yeah. love it. Okay, that's very exciting yeah. for me. Yeah, it, it, it's yeah, it, it's such a fascinating thing because that character so specifically is known by his Roman name in a way. Like a lot of the Roman names tend to be more popular. Like he's probably, I mean, Hercules, I would say, is probably the only one who's like above above Cupid in terms of the name. We know the Roman name over the Greek. Uh, but of yeah. course, you know, Disney got away with it in Hercules, so Cupid can get away with it yeah. too, right? We can get thing. away with it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Eros doesn't have the same the same connotation in, in English at least. No. I think Eros has got Eros has got more of a kind of, you know, poet sort of, you know, serious kind of connotations to mm-hmm. it. Cupid's a bit more cheeky, mm-hmm. you know, and, and mischievous and a uh, bit more like Puck from Midsummer Night's Dream. You know, a bit more yeah. kind of <laughs> meddling in in the ways of love, I think. Yeah, I think that's true. And a lot of the stories of that comes from, like, Ovid is a great example of of sort of Cupid being fun and mischievous. Um, and, and then again, he's going to be Cupid. So it's, it's fitting. Yeah. Yeah. Was there anything uh, in terms of, like, the, the mythology itself? Did you just kind of want to work with the characters or were you keen to include any kind of storylines? from existing myths yeah I kind of I, it was very much the characters I think initially because I loved them um mm. and I obviously I grew up I was obsessed with Clash of the Titans and um <laughs> Jason and the Argonauts and I used to watch them on a loop so I've always been a little bit obsessed with with um Olympus so I definitely knew I wanted to explore Olympus and I and I also quite early on wanted to give it a bit of a modern spin because, you know, when I talk to my own kids, I've got three kids about Greek gods and classic mythology and whatever, you know, they, they all talk about Marvel. That's their world. Mm. That's their life. That's what they plug into, you know, and, and, and it's sad because these, these other stories are the, are the foundations of it and the, and the originals as it were. So um, I wanted to, very much wanted to connect with um you know teenagers and younger people in terms of giving it a bit of a you know what would what would it what would it be now if olympus was now what would be the issues that would be <laughs> troubling the gods you know if they were hanging out now um so it's yeah still social of, media <laughs> it's very it's very media. relatable <laughs> yeah 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 I mean it's just the just the whole concept of followers was like gold I immediately yeah. just went oh, of course <laughs> they go get followers yeah because that's, that's what we all live and die by now <laughs> yeah yeah and popularity also as well you know the the you know the whole competitiveness which I I love that's so incredibly ruthless mm-hmm. um it was just perfect 
you know, for for now. So I, mean, I kind of very much started there. Yeah, yeah. I, and I think it suits. I think Zeus specifically is such a perfect character to place in today's world. I really, I, I've, I have to admit, and for context of this this bit, um, I've only been able to listen to the first four episodes so far. That's what's been ready for me. I get the sneak peek. Um, sneak but peek. <laughs> based on the first four episodes, uh, all that have, all that I have access to right now, because I've met, I finished it earlier today, and was like, oh, I really, I really actually want to keep going, and I don't have them, and now oh. I have to wait patiently. Oh. I still get them before everyone else, but <laughs> um, <laughs> but I've appreciated Zeus in in your take on him particularly because for me Zeus is the character that it's he's one of my favorites to use for comedic purposes for just and connecting with like the nature of humanity and sometimes the awfulness of certain men uh and so just to to have his character feature in of different ways there was like a some great comment made by Hera that he's you know still working on his ability to to like not get caught I was like yeah that that really suits (laughs) (laughs) well they were they were I mean you know it they're fascinating because there was no holds barred really with in terms of relationships with with humans and other Mm -hmm. gods but but then also all of the intricacies of the jealousy and the and the possessiveness and the you know, I love Zeus and Hera. I love them. And I love them because Hera's so smart. You know, you kind of wonder how women have arrived where we have because we, when we had these role models, they were pretty kick-ass, these, these uh, goddesses. You know, Aphrodite as well, I absolutely love. Um, and and they're, they're equal, you know, they're equals. They're mm-hmm. not in any way under the thumb or bowing down to, to Zeus, even though he you know, ultimately is the king. But I I um I love the fact that he just changes his mind all the time. You know, or he just can't be bothered. Or he just leaves. Or he's just like, oh no, it's I don't I don't care about that today. Or then he he has this you know, loses his temper and, and gives someone a terrible punishment, you know. So it's the whole kind of that that unpredictable, lovely emotionality is is very fun and you can't do that with humans when you're writing scenes for for humans they've Mm. got a they've got way more rules you know we're way more civilized so it it was um it was very freeing it was very freeing to Mm -hmm. to write for them I have to admit I I, Aphrodite is also one of my all-time favorite goddesses so I was glad to to see her so featured and for I I have a thing for Aphrodite and Aries which is great for Cupid, um, but so interesting because, of course, you know, it, like in the mythology, she's married to Hephaestus, which, you know, I, I appreciate. It's interesting that I, I've i heard Hephaestus featured and now I'm like, well, I've only heard the f- first four episodes. So I don't know if there's any kind of reveal in this respect, but I do appreciate that, that Aphrodite Aphrodite's definitely, she's got, she's got, she features heavily a little bit later. <laughs> Wonderful. Yeah. And, uh, and and Aries. Yeah. Perfect. These this episode will come out after too, so we don't have to worry about spoilers. I don't know. Okay, great. Hold that. Great, so great, great. It's more just what I have already heard <laughs> versus I uh I have the scripts, but like the point like you just want to hear it, you know? Like that's what makes podcasts so much better. I was like It's it's a lovely medium. It's really it, it's one that I've never written for before so mm. it's my first time and I'm kind of it, I've fallen in love with it I think it's 
incredibly it's it's filmic it's really filmic when you when you hear it 360 and and the music as well has been so much joy to do I've loved doing the music so much fun (laughs) um and and each one you know being so individual um it's been it's been great but it's been a real kind of learning curve and and an eye-opener really because I've not sort of ever appreciated how beautiful audio is Mm -hmm. yeah it must be so unique if you're if you are used to working you know with visual aspects as well and and but I find great about shows like Cupid and just and QCO generally is this ability to make it like really fully immersive and dramatic with you know the sound effects and the music and that 360 like you were saying you know one one of the episodes I I have access to had like a warning up front of like oh it could sound like something's coming from behind you like be aware and I think that's (laughs) That's so great. Like my show, I've been doing it a very long time, but it's still just like me trying to figure out technology. Uh, And so it is not (laughs) particularly high tech. It is very much just like my voice in people's ears, which I think is like a different type of podcasting that is really appreciated and is interesting, but it is so different, you know, than than these like fully immersive, dramatic productions like Cupid. I love the, the comparison. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I podcast normally people think of talk people talking, don't they? And um, mm-hmm. if I mention it to people, it, it's it's a whole new experience, which which I hope people really embrace. It's it's I'm I'm with you. I I I could do it all day. I think it's great. Yeah, it's and it's so fun. Like for me, it works really well. I, I always need to be like doing something else while I'm taking in media like that and podcasts are great because like I don't have to be like I can just be looking at something else while listening <laughs> and like it yes. just it sets yes. my brain in like the exactly the correct mindset for for focusing yeah, on yeah. anything <laughs> yeah well I mean god my my children never they're never they're always double screening you know they're always multitasking and double mm-hmm. screening and you know I think things are moving more into an audio space um partly maybe because they're got the attention spans anymore of of sitting with a two and a half hour movie I don't know but um it's and it's very portable it's so portable which is also fantastic you know yeah it's like you know take a walk and enjoy something you know go outside and then be listening to this whole story like yeah it's it's an amazing way to to be able to take in content and yeah and especially in in the way of these the these fictional ones where you get the full dramatic effect you get the sound effects you get the music like it's as if you're watching a show but you can also be taking a walk or you know doing running errands cleaning your house like it's just so ideal I did sit down I I conceived this as a as a visual you know as a screenplay originally Mm. and then I did sit down at the beginning and go I I can't I can't do it because it's so visual the Mm -hmm. the all the you know the blue glow and the incognitos and the you know I was like I can't I don't know how to do how do you do that and then it and then it was and then I was like oh no this is better this is more fun doing it audibly because your imagination's kicking in much more yeah you almost get more freedom yeah yeah totally yeah and and for me I really appreciate it because my sort of interest point I guess or just like how I handle the Greek gods and their myths is that I I often don't want a visual representation because to me they are just sort of 
they are the stories from ancient Greece. Like putting an actor's face on the characters often kind of, it just throws it for me. It takes me out and I'm like, I'm too deep into the, like this being a fictional adaptation versus this ability to like, yeah, keep it without, you know, without any kind of visual aspect. Like you just, it's still whatever exists in your head about the gods or it's almost like, you know, it's like a furthering of the oral storytelling yeah. that is how yeah. we have all of these myths. It's, you know, that's what yeah. I think my show is good for too, is like podcasting is basically just oral storytelling. So it's just us like adapting and updating the way we take in these stories that have been told orally for thousands of years. I, exactly. And I, I love that. I I read a bit about the rap, the rhapsodies or the, you know, when they used to sing and do mm. that, do it for days um, and there were these amazing singers and, and actors and you, everyone would gather for, you know, two, three days at a time to hear these, you know, I'm like, oh my God, I, I would love that. I would absolutely love that. Um, and I, I think sound is such a, in, so much more impactful than we think um, because with the visuals, it sort of, you know, is is all kind of amalgamated together with this really powerful visual. But when you take that away, you know what what does you know the loom juice sound like and what does the you know um amphitheater or the i don't know all these tiny little decisions we've made about each sound and like what what does magic sound like mm. like how would you how would you go that how would you do that <laughs> with the sound effects and then you like I I found myself with the music guys, you know, going, oh, it's like a it's like a glittery sprinkly thing. No, no, it's not that. No, it's a different instrument. It's like a tinkly, tinky tink thing. And then it's like, but it's really short, you know. And then and then you'd be like, yes, yes, that's it, that's it. And you'd be like, why is that magic? I don't know, but yeah. I, I, it's fascinating. It's fascinating. I love that. That's yeah. That I mean, it's something I've never had to think about. What does magic sound like? What is yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's so interesting. It's yeah, it's a fascinating thing to to just work in these audio mediums. For me, it's it is so different. Like being used to my show and then listening to this like full production. I'm like, oh man, I absolutely see the merit in both. But I'm also like so impressed <laughs> by. <laughs> the sheer amount of of different sound effects and music and of course there's songs so how 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 did you find writing the songs like that must be so fun as well I can't quite believe those songs exist to be honest (laughs) I I remember sitting there right because I just wrote the lyrics Mm. um I mean I'm also a huge when I was a kid huge musical theater fan so you know, West Side Story and Carousel and all those old singing in the rain, mm. you know, Gene Hackman, Fred Astaire, all of that. That was my that was my childhood. So it it sort of obviously was sitting there latent somewhere in my bones and kind of went, ooh. Um so I I've absolutely loved it. And and Darren um Johnson and Andrea Romada, who we worked with um on the music were just it was so collaborative. We, I was singing, you know, voicemails to them. I mean, you know, I'm not musically trained. So, you know, they were, they were, they're unbelievable, really unbelievable. Um, so that it's been, it's been, I can't, yeah, I can't quite get my head around the <laughs> fact that they exist, but yeah, they're, they're, they're great. 
Yeah. I mean, it's, it adds something to it. And I think podcasting is so perfect for that. Like if you're going to tell a story in a fully audio medium, like why wouldn't you then also have songs and music? Because it, it's just this like little added piece that, yeah, it it breaks it up well too, you know, like I think it adds like a nice like interlude of, of just like a bit of, yeah, fun, fun songs. Still about mythology. <laughs> but my favorite bit is the tap dancing. Um, mm. I don't know. I don't know if you'll have heard that song yet. No, it I might don't be think so. Five. Oh no, I won't. I won't spoil it for you though. But yeah, <laughs> okay. that's a tap dance. That's a tap dance. I got very excited and went, "Let's have a tap dance." <laughs> Why not? <laughs> <laughs> I really enjoyed the the one that kind of announced the the Olympians getting together. They're oh, did you? Or what did was you? the yeah. word? Yeah, that was very fun. Yeah, <laughs> it was very catchy. Olympian assembly song. Yes, yeah. yes, great. Exactly. And we had opera singers sing that. They were oh my incredible. Gosh. Oh my god, they were incredible. Or you know, beautiful singers, and and so kind of yeah, it was it was everything I I wanted it to be everything and I knew that it was out there and bold and drama and you know but um Q kind of been with me every step of the way going yeah great let's do that (laughs) I'm like okay yeah wow I mean that's it's impressive absolutely How much like Greek did you want to keep in? And you you know, you had to modernize it. And obviously so much of it is set in the States, but were you thinking about how much, you know, of the Greekness to, to retain within these gods? Yeah. I, I, you know, I definitely wanted to retain all the, the, the Greekness. Um, you know, even the, the theatricality in itself is the birthplace Mm. of theater, you know, it's, um, it, and yeah, so I, I I very much wanted to keep I very much wanted to keep that, and I also very much wanted to keep a Europe European influence mm. in there, you know, which I I didn't know if it would work. There are so many different uh, uh, you know nationalities in there that I decided to do with the gods and stuff that yeah. I was going on oh my is is it going to just sound like a mess? But but it, I, it doesn't. I'm I'm kind of I love that texture and um, uh, in the middle of LA. I think it's great. Yeah, I was curious about that with the accent. So was that intentional or was it based on the actors? It sounds like it was intentional. Now <laughs> it was inte- it was intentional. Yeah, I, I yeah Aphrodite was always um, always Spanish. Or, yeah, that none of them changed accent. Okay. Poseidon was always Australian uh, for some I reason. Did that in one my really head. fit. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Oh my god, it, it, he's just fantastic. I mean, I mean, Poseidon. I wish the the sad thing was that I couldn't give them more to do. You know what <laughs> yeah. I mean? I almost want to do another one just so that I can give them more to do because there wasn't. They're not actually in it that much. Yeah. You know? But um, doing the editing fourteen gods in a in a scene was like daunting. But. Um, no, all the accents stayed. Uh, um, Artemis and Apollo were always um, 
you know, Swedish. They were always Swedish for some reason. I don't know. It just all <laughs> downloaded in my head that way. It's interesting. Yeah, it's it was it's nice the like the combination of all of them and hearing how they interact with each other in that way. Uh, what then if you know if you really wanted to keep all of the gods I'm I mean of course like I I identify with that deeply <laughs> just wanting to like talk about all of them at all times was there anything that you really wish you could have included in terms of like the gods or or any kind of like mythological details and storylines that you know couldn't work that I couldn't put in yeah I mean I I, I wasn't I wasn't um f- the furies with my the Furies were a bit, they kind of grew on me um, because I've always been really fascinated by the Furies. The me Furies too, yeah, kind of scare me. And their names are so fantastic as well. But they're, they're, they're like really scary. And I, and they're kind of, they kind of don't really, they're sort of an invention, aren't they, of Hades? They, they, they come from the underworld initially, but they're kind of free flow. They kind of do mm-hmm. their thing. Um, so I, they they were interesting because they gradually got more and more scary. And um, initially they, you know, I didn't, you know, they do now have a manifestation on Earth, which kind of, I couldn't, I, I could have put them in a lot more. I could have kind of, you know, there were so many way, ways I could have pushed it more into something much more frightening. Right. But I was always aware that I needed to, Although I have to say, you know, I've got a, a nine-year-old and a 15-year-old and a 17-year-old and my, you know, kids can take a lot more than than I I certainly could when I was, I was uh, you know, nine. But um, so I think I was always wary to, to, to not go too far into the dark, but I really mm-hmm. wanted it to be genuinely scary. And genuinely dark and genuinely, you know, I wanted Hades to to um, be really upsetting and disturbing. Because um, we all love to be scared. We all love to be scared. Well, and it is, it, it's the truth of, of Greek myth too, is this like juxtaposition of like a lightness and fun and silly and, you know, sort of bizarre and then mixed pretty, you know, deeply with, like furies who are inherently terrifying and all the different monsters and and all of that yeah Yeah. i think it it really suits the mythology as well it's just sort of naturally part of their stories and it's they're so emotional it's easy you know it's easy to access the emotions um of the gods it's really really easy and then they are full of them (laughs) yeah 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 well they're all our instincts aren't they they're all our instincts that we don't like to talk about or we don't want to admit to or you know we're ashamed of um and I I I really like to plug into that frequency um when I'm writing I I find it really um rewarding yeah yeah I mean they're that's why I'm so fascinated by them. They're just, they're sort of humanity like amplified in the most entertaining yes. and like dark and dangerous and violent kind of ways. Yeah. Yeah. There's real danger. There's real proper danger there. And I, you know, really hope that's there in Cupid because I wanted it to have that edge to it mm-hmm. um, and and really take people on a, on a ride like the, like the Greek myths do. 
um you know so I hope I achieved that and kept it kept it kind of um kept people on the edge of their seat with it I'm certainly looking forward to episode five and up. I, I have to say now, like I've only heard little bits of the Furies because they kind of play a role right at the beginning, I think in episode two, and then they must come back later because I haven't heard more from them yet. So I'm excited. Oh, they come back. They come back. They definitely come back. Very excited. Because I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't leave them out. They were too much fun. <laughs> they are some of my favorite, just like manifestations, you know, in all of mythology. Yeah. They're they're so interesting and and my favorite is how often they're used and the way they're used in Greek tragedy because I think that really exemplifies like the way they were terrifying you know I just think of like Orestes um in the Oresteia yes just like fighting off these things that no one else can see but you still get this like visceral knowledge of how how horrifying they must have been oh yeah 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 uh do you have a favorite god that you you know maybe a favorite to write or just generally or or both oh I love them all I'm really (laughs) fond of them all I loved doing Apollo and Artemis they honestly make me laugh both of them um and um Athena I love I I and here no I love them I don't really I couldn't (laughs) choose I couldn't choose and Hades I love him too he's great um, and Dionysus, of course. Dionysus, I'm like, yeah, I'm a bit, I'm quite fond of Dionysus. I do, I do have a bit of a soft spot for Dionysus, actually. I mean, he's one of the best gods. Yeah. He's the coolest, isn't he? He's the yeah. coolest. Yeah. Um, and, and he seems to be kind of like, he's got a good, he's got a good heart going on there. You know, he's not got too much, too much darkness. You know, he's one of the least problematic. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was such a great. I was so excited that Dylan um, could could play him uh, because he's a DJ, such an incredible uh, DJ. And I and I, he was such a joy to work with. And it, it oh, was great. it was great. Yeah, uh, that's yeah. Dionysus is one of my favorite gods. Generally, um, he's just sort of he's sort of so ambiguous in a way where you can kind of mm. choose to depict him. You can do with, you know, with him what you will. There's so many different avenues that you can take him as a God that I, I just find him so incredibly fascinating, but it, it's funny. I even yeah. ask that question of favorites because it's the same answer. Every time anyone asks me who my favorite God is, is like, well, how do I feel in this given moment? Like <laughs> I, this one's my favorite for this reason. And this one's my favorite for that reason. And like, there's no way to choose. They're all so fascinating and, you know, in their own ways and mm. for different reasons. And you just can't, possibly I'm really, decide. I'm really interested in the, is it Hestia? Mm. Is it Hestia? Because there's twelve, right? There's twelve, but there's fourteen. So I was going. I was like, "Who's Hestia?" I was like, "Who is this yeah. woman?" I don't know anything about her. I can I put her in? What's her special <laughs> skill? You know, why, why, why do, haven't we heard about her? Oh my gosh, that is the age-old question. So my favorite thing about the Olympians generally is, you're right. There are twelve, but there are fourteen. But there are twelve. Okay. So there are there are officially twelve. <laughs> Like the number used is 12, but depending yeah. on the source and the time frame and, you know, which, which of the, you know, generations that you look at in like the broad, like thousand years of, of Greek mythology developing, 
there are a total of 14 different gods included in the 12. <laughs> so Dionysus isn't always an Olympian. Yes. Hestia isn't always. I think it's Demeter isn't always and Hades oh, really? isn't always. Yes. Cuz Demeter and Hades I was they were it, Demeter was sort of in it a lot more. I was really interested. One of my favorite myths is the Persephone mm-hmm. um myth. And I really remember that having a big impact on me and and the idea that she was mourning her child and for six months of the year. And um, I remember just the injustice of it really did my head in, you know, and I was I was like, but she has to get her back. And then you're like, but how is that? That's why I love them. They just don't sort it all out for you, you know, but um, I wanted her to have, you know, like a big denouement with with Hades and Mm -hmm. I think maybe if I if I manifested it in a different way I would bring Demeter into it a lot more um because she's great and very wise and very powerful and you know apart from the fact that I wouldn't want to write all the rhyming couplets that I would have to write (laughs) because they took me ages. I can't imagine. I've been there for ages. And then I was going, oh, I I can't improvise because I actually played her. So, and then I was like, I can't improvise. It's Demeter (laughs) because I can't do the, it's really hard doing the rhyming thing. Um, So yeah, I don't think I could write a whole, a whole piece with the, with all of the rhyming in it for her. But um. Yeah, she she's really interesting, um, really interesting character, yeah. and, and her and her her, uh, you know, old enmity with Hades. I I find really there's a lot there to to play with. Absolutely, she's her story with with Persephone and Hades is one of my favorites as well, and it it's become very very popular these days looking at at Hades and Persephone and I think often Demeter kind of Demeter's trauma gets left out you know in favor of of Hades and Persephone and so I appreciate even hearing just the way you describe her because I agree like the I think the whole and then obviously the whole point of that whole story because it's the Homeric hymn to Demeter but you know is her pain and her looking for her daughter and like her experiences and so I think yeah making her you know an important piece in in the story is great she deserves she deserves more focus serves it yes yeah Yeah, but Hestia is an an interesting character just since you brought her up she's there is like almost nothing to know about her which is what makes her so interesting um she was one of the most important goddesses ever because she's the goddess of like the home and the hearth within your home so she's like the everyday goddess in a way that like people would have worshipped and thought about her every single day. Like every time they made food, every time they just like kept themselves warm and healthy in their homes, um, they would have thought about her. But she doesn't figure into any stories at all. So she was like vital from a day to day perspective and is yeah. like almost completely unrepresented in actual like stories and sources that that exist today it's really interesting that way that's really interesting isn't Mm -hmm. it yeah she's just this like enigma yeah yeah (laughs) Yeah. important extremely important but could you just be invisible for a minute (laughs) yeah 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 (laughs) yeah that I mean that that's that's sort of my focus on on Greek mythology generally is is looking at 
how the women were treated, how they did have power, but also how that power was like, you know, still often yeah. less than than what the, I mean, it was yeah. certainly always less than what the men had, even when they had their power. But that's why I love Aphrodite, and I'm glad to hear she figures so prominently in this. Which, of course, you know, as, yeah. as Eros's mother, sorry, just called him Eros. You can tell <laughs> where I keep my my head normally. <laughs> Cupid's mother, um, but she sort of has this this like freedom you know, amongst the Olympians that no one else, no other woman does this like sexual freedom. And, you know, she gets to be with Aries, but she gets to do whatever she wants. Well, and she's, she's a, not maternal. She's just exactly. so not maternal. Yes. Yeah. Which I find, you know, really, uh, you know, I'm really attracted to that in her. Yeah. I like it's refreshing. her freedom. Yeah. yeah. She's yeah. just is exactly who she wants to be. In a yeah. way that, yeah, mostly, you know, m- women in mythology and generally in a lot of ancient Greek cultures, like, were not allowed to be. But Aphrodite got mm-hmm. to just do whatever she wanted. And I, I yeah, she's my yeah. favorite for all of those reasons. So I'm thrilled yeah, every yeah, time she too. comes into my ears. <laughs> <laughs> uh, gosh, I mean, I feel like I've sort of exhausted my my actual questions, but I, I'm just generally fascinated by by the way that that you know people today in terms of writing books and podcasts and and you know movies and tv what what have you the way that myths are being reinterpreted and and utilized in these modern ways so mm-hmm. I, I don't necessarily have this feeding into a question but <laughs> it, it as this is sort of a more unique take on that like were you thinking a lot about kind of what else exists in the realm of maybe mythological reimaginings or anything? Yeah. I mean, I've, I've thought because of how much I loved it when I was a child, I, uh, you know, there's a, there's a whole world here that we're not re-exploring because we love a, we love a remake, you know, there's, you know, it fascinates me that we haven't just, dive deep into these stories more than 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 we have because it's you know everybody's always looking for ip and it's right there you know mm-hmm. i constantly pick up novels and books that are um you know uh reimaginings of the trojan war and the you know and i never ever walk away from those stories unchanged you know i never i never they're so rewarding psychologically um emotionally magically you know I'm such a I'm I'm a total sucker for a bit of magic and I and I and I don't think as adults we should have to do without that I think we all need it um so yeah I I very much feel very passionate about that that whole universe and and reimagining it and bringing it back you know just giving putting life back into it because then I you know my kids, for example, absolutely love Cupid and all the Olympians. And we've had so many conversations about uh, them, but it's immediate. It's like they're in. They're totally in. They totally get it. Um, they're, they're not worried about it. They, you know, and it's it's a way of, of us working through the darker aspects of ourselves and the, mm-hmm. the troubling aspects of ourselves safely um and if every child needs that every child needs to do that and adult yeah. you know yeah yeah adults too that's the key no i i think there are countless books coming out 
you know, these days. There seems to be like five to 10 a year of, of mythological yeah. retellings, but I think not enough in other media. So I was thrilled to hear about Cupid. And, you know, there's, I'm glad that there are so many books as well, but it is nice to have these sort of different takes and, you know, these yeah. different ways of looking at the stories. Do you have a favorite book? Sorry, also. Um, <laughs> I love um, Song of Achilles and mm-hmm. uh, is it Madeline Miller? Yeah. Uh, Song of Achilles and Circe. Circe, mm-hmm. I cried for about a week after I read that book. Um and Song of Achilles, I think, is one of the most beautiful books I've ever read in my life. I would agree um, there, yeah. <laughs> she's she's just, she just blows my mind. Her talent at, at reimagining, um, you know, this, this material in a, in a modern way that is so deeply, deeply reaches right down inside you. I... I mm-hmm. I mean, I'm a bit in awe of of her, so I think those those are probably my my top my top picks. Um, I think they might be making a a a, a TV of Cersei potentially. I don't. I think maybe somebody bought the rights years ago, but yeah, yeah, it, it might have it might have fizzled. Like definitely they optioned no. it, but I that was that was right after it came out. So I still have high hopes, but yeah, I know you never know with those with books getting optioned in that way they often just sort of disappear and then yeah. we're all just left to wonder what happened <laughs> yeah oh they need to do that but I, I I think that um it's interesting that there aren't more movies and visuals you know mm-hmm. that because it is so visual yeah um it's and and uh, you know erotic and you know it doesn't have to be um PG thirteen is very no, much not. In, in, it, yeah, it typically is not in a lot of ways. You really have to. I was holding it. back. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, I was kind of like, oh, I might not go there. I had there were a couple of lines that I had to cut that made me really sad. Oh, but, um, do tell. Yeah, they, yeah they, no, no, I can't. No. They made me cut them. Oh. But no, they were a little bit. They were a little bit too far. Uh, yeah. Not yeah, not PG thirteen enough. <laughs> it is. I mean, Greek mythology isn't like so. Every once in a no. while, somebody will ask me if I would make a children friendly version of my show, and I'm just like, I would have to lie. I would have to. Yeah, yeah. That, I, that yeah. wouldn't be the myths. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, don't ever do that. Don't ever. Do no, that. no, no. I'm not. I'm not child friendly enough as a person to even attempt it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think the I think the Greek myths are they are meant to be, you know, violent and scary and and sexual absolutely. That's like 90% of the stories and you know, it's yeah, it's it's honest. So I think yeah. finding somewhere in the middle where, you know, yeah, PG-13 I think is good. Like anything well, un- love, longer than that you're in trouble. <laughs> I love that um uh, Aphrodite and Cupid in 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 my podcast, you know, have got such a dysfunctional relationship. Um <laughs> And um, that that was heaven to write because she's just not having it that he would love anyone but her. <laughs> and in that really messed up mother, son, but she doesn't really care about him that much anyway. But, you know, it's the the, the dysfunction. Um, I mean, I'm trying to think, are there any? Are there any Olympian gods that have a great relationship? Do, no. Is there a couple? I mean, no. they're just done. Is there not? <laughs> definitely not no there i mean i think i think that the the only couple that seems to 
love each other and not to say that anything else in their relationship is good because I think it's Aphrodite and Aries. They're the only ones yeah. that seem to love each other, but she's They've not got a genuine passion. Yeah. yeah, but she's married yeah. to someone else. So like inherently they do not have a good relationship. So yeah. yeah, that's one of the things that I love. Like none of them are good. Like Dionysus gets the closest because then he later marries Ariadne and like she has yes. a good life because of that. But even still, like they don't, as a couple, they don't figure into any stories as as like gods and and certainly not as like Olympians, even though technically yeah. you know, she becomes a god with him. But yeah, no, I mean, I think Greek mythology is just full of mess in the best way. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, a relationship with Cupid that. and Aphrodite where they're a mess is, is just perfectly accurate. I mean, you think of Cupid and yes. Psyche, that story, Aphrodite is a monster in oh. that, like... Uh. Disaster. Yeah. 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 Cruel. Very cruel. Very, very cruel. I yeah. love that myth. I think that's so interesting. I mean, you've mm-hmm. never seen that um, you know, told in a in any in any way. It's so interesting about yeah. about the women's expectations of love. You know. Absolutely. It's one of my favorites and it's a fan favorite on the show as well because I told it years and years ago now but it it's so detailed and well and I think what's so lucky about it is that the source it comes from is older and Roman so it's not oral storytelling in the same way it's like an actual like an intentionally written story and so because of that we get such detail and like actual you know emotions and thought processes Mm -hmm. in a way that we don't often when it's something passed down in a different way so we get this like very visceral representation of of Cupid and and Aphrodite's relationship and Cupid and Psyche's relationship and her relationship with her family and just there's so much there because of it it's so unique yeah 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 I agree I agree yeah I can I can I can see the the ways that you might have been influenced from that in Cupid just even in like the relationships and things like that it's and of course it's like our best source for anything to do with Cupid as a person let alone a god so it's interesting I spent I've just spent some time in Paris and that Cupid's everywhere everywhere that you look and I I was sort of because obviously I was in the middle of the of um you know doing this and 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 I was like whoa oh my god oh absolutely everywhere you look um so you know, a lot of artists as well have have really taken him and you know um, been inspired by him because he's he's kind of this. I don't know. He's he's not exactly a lovely portrayal of mm. of love necessarily. It's it's manipulative, it's but of, also like yeah. still somewhat romantic in certain ways. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. He became so popular, I think, in Rome and then everything that, you know, became came after Rome, like he's so Latinized. So like the version of him that is so popular and certainly, yeah, like in the Louvre alone, you know, it's just full of representations of him. And it is so interesting and typically also based in Cupid and Psyche. And like it's yeah, it's fascinating the way that he became something quite unique you know in the wider realm of mythology yeah this this like visual representation that's pretty separated differently like it's pretty you know removed from the greek version of him 
but it's yes. like certainly the most well known and like you know he he is so visual now this idea cherub yeah. or adult but either way it's like you know what you're looking at and that was that was what was fun about scooter boy you know having scooter boy and Bo mm. uh as well because he we had to have a cherub in there somewhere yeah they're like a little eroches <laughs> but you probably can't call them that because it sounds <laughs> i mean it's very greek dodgy. but also it sounds sketchy yeah it's like <laughs> <laughs> but you know there were lots and yes did they represent uh, different forms of sex yes also that but we don't need yeah. to go there <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> not for now. Not for no. now. Not for the PG thirteen. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, this has been absolutely wonderful. I'm thrilled to to talk about Cupid and Greek mythology, and so thrilled you you know you worked so much with with your knowledge and passion for Greek myth to write this because I think it shows, and I think that's important. It's it's important that people are actually like well, paying attention to the myth before they adapt to I mean, doing all the if, <laughs> if you love it, then I've definitely, I'm very <laughs> excited by that because you definitely know what you're talking about. A little, I'll admit. Yes, I've <laughs> worked my way into a decent amount of knowledge here, I think. Uh, yeah. No, I think my listeners are going to be really into it and just excited to have more Greek myth content that is again isn't a book yeah. we have a lot of books those are amazing too but having this this audio form that that is so dramatic and visceral and musical and and full of scary furies is is, is so different and exciting yeah ace I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, that, that makes my day I'm glad to hear it well again thank you so much for doing this I really appreciate it. it's been very fun talking with you total pleasure thank you for having me and and i've learned loads and you're brilliant <laughs> and yeah thank you for supporting cupid ah uh, nerds thank you for listening you're super cool it was so fun speaking with Katie about this. I'm obviously just always thrilled for there to be more mythological content in the world, more reception, more interpretations of the Greek gods and their stories. We can always use more, particularly like going well beyond books. We have so many books coming at us, which is a real thrill, obviously, to be clear, but it's nice to have things beyond podcasts and more to get us just other means of taking in this content. Now I want movies. Someone make an actually good mythological movie, would you? I'll help. Just send me an email. All right. This has been seriously fun. Check out Cupid wherever you get your podcasts and then make sure you check out all the bonus content in my feed. There's so much more myth for you. It's everywhere. Thanks again to Katie for chatting with me. It was so much fun. And thanks once more to QCode for coming up with this idea in the first place. Let's Talk About Myths Baby is written and produced by me, Liv Albert. Michaela Smith is the Hermes to my Olympians. God, she does so much. It's it's so helpful. Stephanie Foley works to transcribe the podcast for YouTube captions and accessibility. The podcast is hosted and monetized by Acast. Help me continue to bringing you the world of Greek myth and the ancient Mediterranean broadly by becoming a patron. Help me. Where you'll get bonus episodes and more. Visit patreon.com slash mythsbaby or click on the link in this episode's description. I am Liv and I, I love this shit just like so much you know so much
We hope you enjoyed the creator conversation with Katie Cavanaugh-Jupe, the creator of Cupid. Be sure to subscribe to Liv's podcast, Let's Talk About Myths Baby, to enjoy more retellings of a wide range of stories from ancient Greece and Rome. Let's Talk About Myths Baby is available wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, this is Eric Malinsky, host of the podcast Imaginary Worlds. Each episode, I explore different sci-fi fantasy genres, talking with filmmakers, novelists, game designers, cosplayers, comic book artists, and anyone who works in the field of make-believe. I also look at the fan experience, asking, why do we suspend our disbelief? You can subscribe to Imaginary Worlds wherever you get your podcasts. Everyone needs a break from the real world. That's why we played games as kids, and that's why we should play games as adults. I'm Troy Lavalley. And I'm Joe O'Brien. And back in 2015, we started a podcast called The Glass Cannon Podcast, a show made up of comedians and actors playing a fantasy role-playing game. And now is the perfect time to start listening because we just started a brand new story. It's basically Lord of the Rings meets Game of Thrones meets X-Files. Search for The Glass Cannon Podcast on your podcast app of choice. Hey, life is hard, so come play pretend with us.